The following content is not a substitute for medical advice. Hey, 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 it's the doctor and the DJ, doctor and the DJ. Hello and welcome back to The Doctor and the DJ. I am not the doctor, I am the DJ, and I am joined by the doctor who finds herself where? And Where are you right now? I'm in San Juan, Puerto Rico. San Juan, Puerto Rico. And uh, mm-hmm. I was just saying before we went on there, I was telling a story that Amy's been gone for a few days and she just said, dude, I've been gone for like 24 hours. <laughs> <laughs> you know, 36 partner, maybe okay you know when your partner's gone and you're supporting them and you you know you put up a brave front like yeah no nah, everything's fine i got this this is this is fine by the end of the first night last night i was like i can't I th- i've decided not to have kids and the problem is i already have them so this decision is a bad one because i've already gotten to know them I, they seem nice i i and now i'm stuck with them um they're very nice humans but they really take up a lot of my timing i had an i had an idea for a podcast um i want to do a ghost story podcast because <laughs> i got on the air the other day and told ghost stories and uh amy said no you gotta stop doing something else so okay no, no more kids can i just cut that out of my life imagine it. here's the thing here's the rub with here's a, we didn't plan on talking about sorry here's the thing with here's a rub with kids amy i love them they're so great and they're they're amazing humans but imagine how much time and money we'd have without them but with them i love them too how would i do without them uh anyway that's the human condition you can't return them that's true you should be able to you know so don't impulse get a kid (laughs) like even animals you can rehome that's right even dogs or cats you can rehome them if it's not working out um, human children, you cannot rehome them. I mean, I Do forget you, adoption and, and the foster system and all that. I'm just talking about if you are capable of raising your children, um, you don't get to return them. Do you think you come from a family of 14? Do you think at some point they were like, man, number three and like nine, <sighs> it probably is. They're not the best. <laughs> you know what? I don't think my parents knew which ones of us were doing what. Or what order. And even. I got it because I got in trouble for things all the time I didn't do. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Just because the, like, sheer, the sheer amount of like people? This, mm. The sheer amount of people and also overwhelm, lack of sleep, and memory. They just... No, that wasn't me. You know, there's a lot of that. Or you could never, uh, if you were in an argument with a sibling or something, um, they had zero patience with, like, hearing the story and helping us work through it. They are just like, you're all in trouble. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone's in trouble. (laughs) You're a child. I'm a parent. I'm tired as fuck. You're all, you're, you're just like, everyone's in trouble. Everyone's Everyone's grounded. There's your policy. (laughs) All right, Amy, you, Amy finds herself in Puerto Rico. Now tell us why, uh, why you're down there. What are you doing down in Puerto Rico besides getting out of, uh, the, the the rain and the clouds? It's 87 degrees Fahrenheit here. Mm. And I spent two hours at the pool today in between, 
uh, this mastermind conference that I'm in. Um, no, I belong to this mentor group of entrepreneurs, a lot of them in health, a lot of them in um, social justice, um, people running their own businesses that also want to build inclusive businesses. And it's a great group. And I wasn't going to come because it didn't fit in my schedule. And I was going to go in January instead. And last January, I was here for, the, for a similar uh, conference with this group. But a lot of stuff. Life lifes you, right? Life lifes you. That's why I'm so here. Last year, she, w she was in Puerto Rico, and I was doing the same thing. I was here um, missing you as always. And I got a text that I'm now on a plane. I'm getting on a plane to go to Los Angeles, which I found odd because she'd only been there for a little while in the conference. And there was Los Angeles has nothing to do with, with any of this, but I thought, well, Amy probably knows what she's doing. She, she's, she, she likes LA. She's just going to LA. And, and then the story pan out with actually a previous guest, um, on this podcast was going through a traumatic right. experience, right? She got word that her mother uh, died while she was at the conference. Suddenly, yeah. yeah. So um, my friend, Dr. Erica, who we have had on this podcast, yeah. she's an ultra marathoner, triathlete, incredible human being. Awesome, yeah. And Dr. Erica and I came to the conference together in January and we came early and we had actually spent the entire day before the conference in the El Yunque uh, rainforest. <laughs> and we had hiked through the rainforest for an entire day, jumping off cliffs and sliding down waterfall slides and um, having a lot of fun <laughs> here in Puerto Rico. And we had even gone out to this beautiful dinner the night before we spent, we were even like, oh God, we spent, we bought the truffle pasta. You know, we spent a little bit of a cash on our dinner, but we were just like having the best time together. Mm -hmm. And the first day of the conference, um, we were in the main room with, you know, like the key, there was like a keynote speaker who's amazing, Amy Purdy. I don't know if you know who Amy Purdy is, but she is an Olympic gold medalist snowboarder who has two prosthetic legs. And she was also in Dancing with the Stars. And anyway, she's amazing. Um, she was the speaker. And then we did breakout rooms. And Dr. Erica and I each went to a separate breakout room. And I'm sitting in the breakout room. And the person on the stage had been presenting for about five minutes. And then got a piece of paper handed to him. And he gets on the mic and he says, is there an Amy Lindsay here? Please meet us at the back of the room. Oh, and man. My heart just like That's never went good. to my stomach. Yeah. You never want that. That That is never good news. No <laughs> one's like, come to the back of the room. You won the lottery. Yeah. Hey, I have or flowers no for you. Like, Here's some chocolate. Come to the back of the room. Okay. You can like, go back now. <laughs> we just, yeah. We just wanted to give you a milkshake. And now we're like, okay, you can go back now. Congratulations. No, it's, oh, God. And I walk back there, and there's this woman staring at me like this. And if, I, if you're listening to the audio version, her eyes were very wide. 
And she says, I've been trying to reach you. <laughs> Don't you have your phone on? And I'm like, no, I'm in a goddamn talk. Like, my phone's off. Um, and she gave me the news that Dr. Erica's mother had passed away, like, minutes ago. And that they had... That like they had helped her get to a private room, mm -hmm. and she was asking for me. Whew. Um, and I I walked in the room, and it was uh, she had collapsed onto the floor and um, was surrounded by a group of women um, holding her mm. and praying with her and. Um, I just threw my backpack down and got in the pile, <laughs> got into the pile and held her. And um, I was consoling her and rocking her back and forth. And there was another woman who looked at me and said, um, will you take her to Los Angeles? And I just said, yes. And we went to LA. <laughs> like we, 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 after a few minutes, I got Dr. Erica's information, my information. We were booking a flight. We were booking a car. We were just like, it was all like this. And one of the women came back to our hotel room with us and we were just throwing all of our shit, like, like our our socks and like swimsuits and things from jumping down waterfalls were out on the balcony still drying and we were just like throwing them in our suitcases and um we just fucking flew away <laughs> left puerto rico left the conference and i was on a plane to la um to this day when dr and erica and i talk she says to me she didn't know it at the time, but she needed that so much. She needed to be escorted because she's like, no, I'm fine. I'll go. And I was like, nope, I'm going with you. And it allowed her to just grieve and cry and wail and listen to voicemails of her mother. And um, I could just handle the luggage <laughs> and the plane tickets and where are we going? What gate are we at? And you know, all that stuff. So I missed this conference. <laughs> and then it came back around like a similar version of this conference for right now in October. And I wasn't going to go because I was going to go in January again to the January one. And then I got news that I have to have a total hip replacement again of my left hip. I've had my right hip done. And the surgery is booked for December and there's no way. There's no way I can come in January. So I was like, well... Time to take a crowbar to the schedule and uh, figure out how I'm going to Puerto Rico right now. <laughs> so I did. I wasn't going to Puerto Rico three weeks no. ago. <laughs> no, as and as you've heard, we have a retreat coming up that we will be leading yeah. <laughs> in a few weeks. That I will meet you down there. Um, and the, yeah. There's a lot of lessons to be learned. I'm not going to be back in Seattle until, I don't know, October 30th yeah, or something. You don't want to be back here. <laughs> It's, Poor me. All sunshine. Yeah, it's yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm looking outside right now and it's not good. Um speaking of Seattle, I believe we have a guest yes. here. 
I believe we Yeah, have, we do. I believe we have Shana Shepard waiting for us. And uh Yes, let's bring her in. We, hello. Oh hey. hey hello. Hey, Shana there Shepard. we are. Hi everybody. <laughs> I was literally like, okay, I don't think this is I don't know what's going on. It's good to see you though. Hi. Oh, it's so <laughs> good to see you. That's yeah. an entrance right there. Hey. It sure was. <laughs> Uh, Sorry, really? Shane. It was my fault. Yeah. I'm in Puerto Rico, already, and we already crying. And there's no daylight savings time here, and I got the time wrong. And then I was like, "Oh shoot, I'm not," you know. So we were it like writing right. Shane a last minute, like we changed the time. Uh, I'm, and I was scared to leave the chat room. I was like, "Don't leave the email." Oh, what do I do? It's been 11 minutes. Maybe they're talking about something really cool, so I didn't want to interrupt. <laughs> yes. That's why we have a producer because we would we would totally screw this up. Uh, I was so I want real quick. Shane is a friend of ours who who we love to see, and uh, I, I don't even when you look up Shana Shepard, if you, like you know we look up our guy. We already know you, but I was looking up you know your bio and things like that. I'm like, man, no wonder we all get along. You are busy. You got a lot going on, and then all the different things: singer, songwriter, vocal teacher, community organizer, um, the people you've collaborated with over the years, which I'm very familiar with. Um, playing music from gospel to metal to everything in between. Um, and then I saw a thing. I think it was on your Bandcamp. It said they used to call me Ladybug because I was bright and round. My my hobbies include music, talking too damn much, and act and fly. Thank you for your attention. And um, yeah, that fits. I I appreciate <laughs> you taking the time to share. And what we've been talking about, just just jumping into the the whole thing. And and our and our guest of season two is Amy and I have been talking about this this sort of midlife interrupted idea that we are not getting younger that we are um, kind of not putting up with any more bullshit um, and doing what we love and being around people that we need to be around and hopefully creating the way we can create and getting through this thing called life. And and when we are listing names of people in our world that, that, that we look at as some people who do that, you, you popped right up. Cause I, I, it's every time we've talked to you, it's just like, and you're so talented and it's just great to have you on. And like you said, you talk too damn much. So that's who you want on your podcast, by the way. Anyone, any new podcast people, <laughs> that's your guest. So first off, how are you, Shana? How, how's life? I'm doing well. I am so blessed. It is very busy again, which yeah. is exciting. But I, I got to tell you, I took some real time. I mean, right around the time that you guys invited me to join you for your Death in Music concert, mm-hmm. which by far was one of the most pivotal concerts I've ever been a part of. I'll tell you why later. That's really what I want to talk to you about. You wouldn't change my whole family life. No, no. All good. <laughs> but our family life has, uh, my family life has changed a lot and therefore put me in a position to kind of, like you're talking about, reassert what it looks like right now in this midlife. Like, you know, taking that opportunity to change directions because you can and um, I feel like I kind of d- was doing that internally and adjusting the way that I worked and adjusting my expectations that I would put on myself and those that I put out. And I am been spent a lot of time with my family, you know, honestly. And that I, I got to say, it's the first time in my life that I've been doing that. But now jumping back into the flow of things, getting back into, you know, it's starting to rain and we all were like, oh, we're from Seattle. Okay, let's get it. <laughs> So we're back into the swing of things, and I have a different perspective, I think. Uh, it's been a great year, but what a season, yeah? 
Yes. <laughs> Do you want to talk to us about the death of music event? You know, it's funny you bring that up. On this day, I just announced on my radio show that tickets are on sale for this year's um, death and music event hosted by Amy. <laughs> and and it's <clears throat> unless you've been there, it's hard to explain oh just how spiritual and I I. Yeah. I am at a loss for words when it comes to that show. And every year I do the same thing. Like, well, that was last year. It, it must've just been this, uh, but I do it every it's year. It's not the same. You do it so differently. I remember the first time I went to your death and music show, I was just the audience member. I just moved to Seattle and I was actually in a very low place, truly. And like a woman I worked with in a phone room at telemarketing, she told me about the concert at town hall. And that's, <laughs> that's the only reason that I went. No, she didn't. She didn't even work there. She just she worked at the Seattle Symphony. Oh, you know, and all of those things. The craziest part about all this telemarketing and this giving and all this—they're all connected. There's like this inner working system of working class people in Seattle that have worked with all these nonprofits. Anyway, mm. she was in the circuit, and she said, "I think you might need this." And it was like such a religious experience for me as a church girl who had kind of fallen from grace in my life. I was back in a church environment where it felt like a service and it was, it made me immediately mm. listen in a way that I wasn't able to listen at that time. Mm. And I'm like, wow, music, you know, I'm just saying it's, it's just, it was crazy enough to be a part of the next year. And you guys are, both of you are just such heroes. I remember talking with you and it's so, you were so kind to us. Like <laughs> I, I didn't realize what an emotional give back it is for you to do that until I was there in the back with you guys. And you made sure that we were good, that we all had our, our wine if we needed and all the waters that we needed. And that we were all put, you know what I mean? Like treated oh. like musicians, like artists. But then you were out there giving so much. Both of you, both of you are such, you're heroes to me, truly. Do you know where- It's our, crazy. Do you know, Amy and I sit and, and every time we do this, our favorite room to be in every time is with musicians it every time we say this every time any time we find ourselves in a situation like that we realize how lucky we are how blessed we are to be around these creative people like we have and we and we lucky luckily we we have these shows like the the smooch for a, a children's hospital right. we have the death of music around grief so we, we're able to be a part of like mission-based shows but um i like that amy Amy has us all hold hands and meditate and do a thing before. And every time I'm like, and I'm, and, and yes, in some cases, like Amy, and yes. Amy's been in music a lot of her life, but you know, she's doctoring right now. And some of the people I know that maybe she doesn't know. And I think, Oh my God, I love this so much. Cause I know they're uncomfortable. <laughs> so Amy, you know what though? Tell girl. Here's the thing. Y'all got to set an intention Anytime you are going to do something that is going to take from your soul like She's that. She's right. Preach. Mm. Yes, If you are going to give like that, and it's an offering, right? The definite music is an offering. Mm. Right. And, and people are digging into their pain. And mm. then they're creating that beauty with the music or with their words. And mm. I'm just like, y'all, we're holding hands in a circle. Right. We're going to take real. a moment. This is We're going to harness said. that pain and that joy that's on the other side of it because mm -hmm. they come together. 
Right. It was so, and as an artist, a part of that process, thank you. It was such a cathartic experience, y'all. Like it was, I do this all the time now. I remember being a little girl dreaming that I would be able to do what I'm doing. I've never mm. been like, I want to be a star. I just didn't know how to express myself except for this place. And that was such a fully healing check mark on the tree of life for me to be able to be exactly there. So much healing of my inner child. The craziest thing is my parents, my birth parents came to that show. They never come at anything that I do ever. Like they really, they've, we've had words. The word Jezebel was thrown once during the barracks days. Okay. That's where I'll come from. All right. So for them to be there for that, they, I even just talking with them in the lobby, they just were looking at me with new eyes. We really started having real conversations. It changed my whole family life. I am sorry to tell you this now. I probably could have texted you, but here we are. (laughs) It really did. I had my best friend Maya with me, like my chosen family was Mm -hmm. there. And there was the ushering of my birth family and we all needed to heal and grieve in order to get to some other steps. And I'm not even going Maury show with this. I'm going like real talk. When you get some really, really intelligent people like y'all to look at a problem and then you get healers like me, like Molly, to come in and contribute energy and you do set intention like that. Like we, look, you had us do hold hands and compel ourselves to bring our best selves. It, it, it is something really special. I wish it was always like that in this job, but then again, that, you just gotta do therapy, I guess. <laughs> do, you think, do you think though, like in the common, de- if you had a common denominator of being a human, I think honestly, people wanna feel connected and they want to have their pain recognized. And they also want to release, like, their, their love. Right. That's what it And is. I think you can do that with music in a way you don't... You can do it with words, too. But I think music literally vibrates. You know, right. there's like a vibration that it taps into. And I think when you're having a collective experience like grief, that is a human experience because without death, you don't have life. Without life, you don't mm-hmm. have death. Like it's, it's intertwined. Oh, y'all, we need a grief choir. We need yeah. to put together a grief choir. Oh, the power of the whale. Yeah. Oh, I was just got lightheaded. I'm telling you, when I was a little girl in church and I saw people lay out and scream... I remember being a, a little girl being like, that's fake. That's so weird. Why are you choosing to do that? As you get older and your body grows into itself and it starts breaking down within itself and new parts start growing inside of itself and you get older in your body and you feel the vibration of, of tone and you feel the placements, you feel the hips and you have gratitude for all of those things, that whale is so healing. I don't even know how I would live without my voice at this point. And I wish people like like what you're talking about, like having that in that room, that acknowledgement. I just want. I wish that everyone could experience that without having those limitations that people put on themselves with their own stuff. You know, that wasn't my stuff. That's their stuff. Really valid stuff. People feel silenced in their bodies, and it is so sad. It's just the the invisible walls and and light 
what is it, windows that they put around themselves in order to experience life. But then they say, I can't do that. Like when I have, when I teach people, adults all the time, I've had a huge studio during the pandemic. Not only got like my four homies and those homies, they are, they've been lights in my life because they've allowed themselves to open up a window so that we can share space. But they had told themselves, I can't sing. I can't. What a huge thing to say out with your mouth and your lips and your your air to say, put words out of your mouth and say, I can't sing. You're singing that to me. You know, my mom used to say that everybody is one of God's songs. And how crazy is it to be a song that can't sing? Like that is, I feel, I just want to beat up everybody that told those people that. <laughs> with love. Right. How, with- many, how many people <laughs> out there even, I mean, especially adults have something in them. They can't, they haven't gotten out and they haven't been able to be creative and they haven't had that out because somebody told them they couldn't or because they told themselves they couldn't. And it's funny you bring that up. We talk about this a lot, Amy and I, about literally finding your voice in this conversation. Um, And it can be anything, any kind of art, any kind of, and you get to a certain age and you say, I can't do that. You know, because so, so many years you haven't, and, and we kind of had a policy in our, uh, our relationship and just how we are. Like the minute the words, I can't do this come out, then you have to do it. I mean, you, you. Oh, I love that. (laughs) Oh, you're so brave. (laughs) Yeah. You kind of have to. And, you know, and it, and I got that getting to know Amy because she would introduce me to new things. And I'd be like, I remember, I will never forget surfing lessons. I always think of that. Like, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to get, I, I'm too old. And this was years ago. I'm too old to get on a surf. And as soon as I said that, I'm like, I'm being asked to go in the ocean and stand on a board and like float on water. And I'm like, no, no, you don't do that because you haven't and you can't. And I was terrible, but it was amazing. It was amazing to be able to do that. So I love what you say about people finding their voice and it, it's got to be harder the longer you go, right? I mean, the people, if you're dealing with adults who say they can't, right. say, how do you, how do to you tell a, them they can? To be a kid, like, to, that's like saying, you have to let go a part of your inner child. Mm. Ah, that's, like, that's not wrong. But that inner child, that part of you was scolded and is the taskmaster master for the parents or whoever the authority was. And they need to grow up. They're the one that needs to grow up. Everybody else can stay a kid. And it's like really hard for people to let go of that. I know it is for me. I could not stand on a surfboard right now. I'll be honest with you. I just had the I'm like, that's brave. It's, we all have our stuff, you know. I don't think that it's ever too late to get more courageous. Like, why would that be a part of it? Like, if I'm going to be old and decrepit with nothing else to get me by but my wit, I certainly don't want to be a little bitch about it, you know. So I, I feel like... I can be a little bitch about it. I have a couple things to say. The first one is I need to immediately hire Shana for voice lessons. I play, I play piano and I I used to sing and I used to sing and I'm like, yeah, I don't sing. Yes. You said that. You totally busted me on this podcast. I love how she, you said used to not can't. Hey, right. glory to God. Oh, I thought that now. We can, let's go. Let's okay. jam. Because you're an artist. Okay. okay. I'll write you after this. Okay. Number two <laughs> is that 
so I lead a lot of uh, retreats and uh, groups of all genders. They tend to be femmes, but of all genders. And um, we do this exercise where we do a meditation where we think of ourselves as being like five years old. Oh, God. Nope, I'm out. I've already done John this do one. This. Nope, what? this one oh, no. fucks Come me on. up. <laughs> I'm out. Goodbye. Don't oh, worry, I'm not doing the whole thing. I'm just going to explain it. No, do it. No, you don't have to do it, but explain it. Oh, my God. So you're five years okay. old, and you imagine yourself in like in a room in the house you grew up in. Or wherever you were when he you were is, five. He acting like he had stomachache. Okay. He five does years. have a stomachache. This is giving him like anxiety. So... Okay. And then, like, for me, I used to go hide in the closet in the study because my house was full of trauma. Oh. And it's like I'm one of 14 kids, and there's just all kinds of shit going on at all times. And I used to go hide to get peace in there. And then you do this meditation where you, as an adult right now, you go back to that place, you open the door, you call the child you your five-year-old child to you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I get the stomach ache now. I understand. And you say, you Mm -hmm. look them in the eyes and you say, I love you. I'm sorry. And it's going to be okay. (laughs) Yeah, that's a lot. That's a journey. I just had tears prick my eyes. So I'm sorry, though. The girl who said she can't stop talking has been silenced by that. <laughs> That's beautiful. I'm going to try that. I don't know if I can do it right now. Nobody wants to see that. But do you do this with each other? Or is this I just lead a- it like a meditation. Like I talk and guide people through it. Mm. it I don't. And then, then there's a whole process of like saying goodbye. <laughs> I don't oh, remember, no. Amy, when oh. you when you and I did that, I because I, she had talked to me about it, but I hadn't done it. But I, I don't know what I was going through, and and now when she brings it up, I go immediately back to what happened during that meditation because I've never had a stronger meditation. And I was in Sioux City, Iowa. Um, mm-hmm. I remember my little desk by my bed, and I remember being scared, and I had uh, a tough relationship with my dad. And, and I, I was, I was there and that little kid who's so cute. (laughs) (laughs) You were so cute. I was a cute little kid and I put my arms around that little blonde dude and told him it's going to be okay. And I was sorry. And it was like, it both messed me up and, and was so effective. Um, It's amazing. It's amazing. Oh my goodness. And we need to do that because I needed to tell I'm so this happy dude who holds me back. He holds me back a lot in a way, you know, and, and that's what, that's exactly what we're talking about. That, that this, this childhood trauma and, and ugh, it's so, it's, right. it's so unfortunate. And then you watch your own kids. Like we have two, two boys and, and you mm-hmm. pray that's not going on. Can you, can you feel it when it happens? Like guiding yourself through your own, um, your own healing and from your inner child, do you see, do you have access to seeing your children's selves more effectively, do you think? Yes. Yes. 
We listen to our kids. Yeah, right? that's the difference. I too. think validating them. and You not, talk to them now. Like yeah, they talk to not, you. Oh, wow. yeah, and not okay. rushing them through their emotions. You know, if they're upset, like, oh, it's no big deal. Like yeah. allowing and saying, say more about that. Tell me more about that. That's and beautiful. usually uh, children, they don't have the words to articulate their feelings and so they act out and then adults go around constantly just trying to correct their acting out instead of trying to be curious about it and have the children say more about it until you can start to understand what's really going on right that's so i don't want to be one of turned into one of those people that are bitter as the world changes because I felt like, I feel like I was without, because at the end of the day, we are all just little pieces of a bigger design. And I'm just, I'm just telling you exactly what I'm thinking <laughs> in order to process yeah. a feeling of grief and sadness that I had, but I want to focus on celebrating you and your family. You know, I just, I've been going through a lot of stuff with my folks. And one of the reasons is we had a lot of death in our family. Uh, I, was, I was mentioning that just, uh, my family um, are basically cowboys in a sense, or settlers. We came from really strong family lines on the East Coast and moved, uh, my parents moved together when they were in their 20s over here um, just because they were in the military. There were no families of color. I'm gonna restart my camera. Hopefully that helps. There's no families of color and we were very isolated. And I think that that put a lot of internal struggles on my parents to uh, see each other as their entire support system and therefore stack a lot of responsibilities on us. Um, and so now during this time of grief where you're supposed to come together, that's why we're doing it. Not because it's like comfortable and natural, but because we're supposed to. We're all in getting together faster and faster and faster than ever to s celebrate other people's lives moving on. And we're realizing that we really don't know each other very well. Mm -hmm. And it was very, it was very sad for everybody involved. One of the things I have had to, and I told my mom that I was going to talk about this today. I wanted to let you know that, but we um, have been dealing with a lot of old memories of what it feels like to live in a traumatic household for a child. I, in my opinion, I think my parents were very stern physically and emotionally um, and ethically challenged with the way that they brought an ethical code into raising me specifically. And that has created a really complicated relationship with ethics for me. You see, like, you know, it's really hard for me to put music out because I often want to talk about and invest in things that I think are important. And I get caught up in like the, mic the microcosms of the way that we live in the world, our community and things like that, as opposed to focusing on internal reflection. Mm. And I, that comes from being a kid, as sim simple as not getting a space to have emotional contact at all, getting no hugs, stuff like that, not being able to eat, or you know, having physical harm be the only parts of the relationship that feel consistent. And I think there's actually a lot of kids that are from my generation that are dealing with that. These are people in the early 30s, 
late 20s, and maybe even, you know, the early 40s, maybe. They have, like, strong relationships with their parents. The millennial. But the millennial that's coming uh, from a point of we want to communicate, we have emotional hood that we felt that was separated us from other people. We wanted parents to hug us. We wanted people to listen to us. And we are a certain type of millennial where we see the Generation Z and young kids. We see people learning how to treat people like people and not as assets as kids. We see people doing that. And there's a point where you're like, really, my whole existence is wrapped up in feeling that type of affirmation. And I see that I will never have that. So what is next? I'm talking about that because I'm finding that that is actually really thematic for a lot of my friends right now. A lot of my friends that are artists or creatives, um, even in like a, you know, a digital sense that are living in our town and are really shutting down right now. And just really like, I wonder if AI is going to fix my life. And they're thinking about that stuff over there, just like how they're doing or like calling a homie or going to a show or people are really feeling alone, alone, like, Nickelodeon sitting there in front of the TV like that's your mama alone watching Spongebob like that's your homie alone it's like a thing that's now moving into our the younger generation that we're influencing I don't want to pass along that loneliness because while there's going to be a kid that has you as parents from this vantage point in this conversation my opinion stellar but they're also going to have people like me as people that are going to look they're going to look to for guidance because they think it's cool that we're sad and they don't get it. And so they're going to ask us about it. What we don't want to pass is let's have a drink and, you know, smoke a blunt and just talk about how important we are as individuals. We don't want that person. We want a person that's like, yo, I learned a whole bunch of stuff about trauma. And now I have a community. I have this, I have this, I have new ways to relate with the world around me that make me feel grounded. And like, I have a little bit of purpose and a little bit of time. You know, I think that that's a good spot. And it's, um, I think maybe you guys are going to have to teach us a little bit more, teach me and my, my generation a little bit more. How do we get there? I wonder, I guess I just have to like, I don't know. I gotta just listen to your podcast more. (laughs) (laughs) I think that'll help. I I think, um, you know, I came from a middle-class white family we were Mormon in Utah. And so there was a lot of religion, a lot of like fundamentalist, this is right, this is wrong, you don't, you know. And then there were so many of us that there was emotional abandonment. And I, from the outside, look, it look, looking in, it just looks like, you know, we're just a, normal like family with two parents you know like church going whatever (laughs) (laughs) seven brides to the seven brides for seven brothers (laughs) yeah just like we're singing on the roof and playing you know right and i've had my own realization of like the emotional trauma and the emotional abandonment because there were so many of us and my parents used the church dogma as our parents. Right. I'm so sorry. That the, trying to connect to my parents was difficult. I did more with my dad than my mom, but 
it was difficult. And it was just, you know, when my brother died when I was 10 years old, Mm -hmm. And there was no one guiding me through that experience. And it was partly like, oh, well, you've got, you know, 50 other siblings. Like, what's one less? <laughs> no, this fucked up yeah. attitude. And mm -hmm. there was a lot of pointing to the dogma of the religion. But mm -hmm. nobody was, like, walking me through grief. Right. I and feel I like we come with, like, Christianity itself. I mean, did you get that where they were just like, I mean, you have a pretty bad, but what about Jesus? Like, <laughs> right? are we allowed to cry at all? Maybe not. I don't know. I don't, there were not very no. many opportunities. I mean, Jesus wept and put a period on it. I mean, he didn't even really deal with anything. Right. I'm at this conference in Puerto Rico right now, right? And a woman stood up today and was saying what her business was. And her business, so... She's in her 50s, and she's a black woman who helps uh, Christian women um, basically through their trauma. And, and, that, and the, what she was describing is that you're told that you have to be a good Christian, you should be grateful, and then you end up in these fucked up situations. You end up in abusive relationships. You end up compromising yourself. Right. And it's all sort of like, well, Jesus did that, you know. Right. There's kind of this, like, you should be grateful shame. The shame. Teaching shame at little girl ages as a part of, like, our unique relationship with femininity. I mean, I got, man, I don't want to get too graphic or anything, but, oh, okay, don't get too graphic or anything. Hmm. Uh, having a relationship with your body is, I feel, is so hard when you come from, that environment and processing grief is so physical processing loss and like even just being disappointed itself like i'm disappointed it's so physical and i feel like for me like as a woman growing up with a vagina and growing up um with an autonomy of a growing woman because i don't want to segment people that are uh you know didn't are not biological in it or whatever um but I felt like this thing is happening to me, but it's always very shameful. The goal is to blend in as much as possible and to have a relationship with men that is either silent or subservient. And if you can do that, then you're doing a good job. But the silent and the subservient, that person is never going to be heard. And you're going to be taught that you'll never be heard and that your perspective is only valid to how quickly you can solve a problem or answer a question. And I feel like there is such beauty that comes from being raised in a Christian household as a woman too. That is not the, you know, there's not a lot of times that you can really express how beautiful it is, honestly, to be a part of a family and have that be centered in yourself and have that physical relationship with wombness. Um, that other women don't get when you don't live in that way. That part is great, but it, why does it have to be either or, you know? I, I don't understand why that has to be a part of it. I think that can change. Well, I think you're speaking to a sense of owning spirituality and understanding how you connect to everybody else, right, in our right. humanity. And, but what happens to everything, right? <laughs> like spirituality is a value 
And if there's something perceived as valuable, people come around and try to control it, sell it, commodify it, right. and control the people who are interested in it. That's right. And I it's like reclaiming it's humanity. Well, please, our reclaiming. bodies and our spirituality, reclaiming them as ours. Right. right. That's why this whole Beyonce phenomenon has happened and this Taylor Swifties are up, they're out at the football games. It's reclamation. <laughs> Women are like, I pay taxes for this kingdom too. Yeah. HGTV on right now. And I am there. But I mean, that Beyonce concert, it was so incredible to witness it. I, it was cool to not be there for a religious experience. I'm like, get a girl, you know, I love the record. But like, I'm like a fan fan for like we all are. But really what was amazing about it was seeing the dedicated teamwork of everybody to be around a united vision with such a complex, like, concept. And it'd be executed that way, to be, like, the mind of a Black woman like Beyonce celebrating being a Black woman in a very unique form without revealing her trauma but just celebrating her accomplishments. And like that in itself is so rare. I feel like even for any woman, just the rareness of being like, wow, we really are seeing how you've been and where you've come from. And it's still uniquely feminine. I wish that that could happen too for men too. The emotional points of men, mm. not just the strength of things and the prowess and, you know, yeah. Yeah, I was thinking about what you said about the generations and, and my generation, there's you're in between them. And so for my kids, so my generation, none of us, everyone around me had a, either no father or a messed up father or a completely absent father. Everyone. Like I look back and I think mm -hmm. I had a friend CJ and he was a weird dude because his dad was involved. I remember this, like he coached the little league team. Dr. Olson, dude was great. Fuck, I love that guy. <laughs> and I remember him because he was the only dad around. My best friend's dad had died. My other, I had another friend who his, we figured out later was very abusive, like scary abusive to my friend, John, and a different John. Um, and there were others anyway. So what we, what I found out being around, um, other fathers, and I've even been on a, a podcast, parental podcast, shout out, it's a great podcast for dads, um, about this generation where we're like, we, we don't know what we're doing, first off, because there was just nobody there. And I think we're turning, at least the people around me, I would say is the ex exact opposite of my upbringing, where there are so many dads involved and, and are showing their emotions and are trying to teach their boys to do the same, because everyone will benefit if 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 men could just Ooh. show their emotions and just be vulnerable that's what i'm trying to do on the air it it's it's hopefully to to let men know everyone everyone benefits from you being sensitive and emotional and connected we we have so are disconnected and one day with my sons is more emotional connection than i had with my entire life with my father so just one day today hanging out mm -hmm. with my little boy before my show today and giving him a hug and like checking to make sure he was okay. And that that's it. I've already achieved like a better job than my dad did. And the bar is so fucking low, but it, it, I, I have hope that there's this generation 
I don't even know what my youngest is now. What gener- I don't, what generation is he in now? I don't I don't even know. Eight point nine XZ Zen Zeus <laughs> Thor. I don't know what it is. But whatever generation four. whatever they whatever Hen that. is in, he is his like I'm seeing the a lot of more involvement and I and I hope presence and vulnerability. They certainly see it in me. So I'm I I am hopeful that 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 does have impact. Cause I agree with you. We can't there. I get, I'm so sad to see like the suicide rates are so high in the highest rate are me, the me, like people in the mirror. And I, I understand why. And it's one of the reasons we're doing this is, is to talk about like, don't, don't give up. Like you, you, it's not over. Like you, you, you can find that. So that's my, that's my two cents. Cause unfortunately, I believe uh, middle-aged white men have pretty much fucked up everything. So I, I'm hopeful. <laughs> like they're I pretty think, much. Okay. Can we talk about much, Let's put it on the table. That's let's all put the, it on every, the table. Every, every, every like. We got to give middle-aged white men a piece of cake. Calm down, everybody. Okay. <laughs> we got to stop. A pre- I don't care. They said this black girl is. They're going <laughs> to take my black card and cut it up. I don't care. My best friend is a it, my best friend is a forty four year old white man named yeah. Jay. He's also yeah. my lover. I love him. He's my best friend. And you know what? He gets no slack. I feel you, dog. Because it's not just. I mean, the idea of 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 racism and and separatism in that sense coming from commodifying people. Okay, right. we get it. Choose your squad and rock. That's how I think about it. Choose like your that. squad. And rock, you know, if you want to wear Adidas, then you have to know like where they came from. We have to talk, we have to go and go get coffee in Brooklyn and we have to spend money on records and invest in our house and we have to go to concerts. We're going to go see a rock show. Then we're going to go see a rap show. That's how we live. We have some, we both have Gemini moons though. So it makes it easy to do more things. (laughs) But at the same time, you choose your squad and you rock. You know, it's like if you're going to be obsessed with money and currency and everything and, you know, your dad was, a you know, was somebody who came on the Mayflower or whatever, whatever. Live your life, bro. That's your squad. I'm not going to come for you. I have homies that might come for you. I'm not going to get in between your shit. But this white man right here, because he marches with me and we buried our friend Elijah who was gunned down in Capitol Hill together. Yeah. We cried over that. He's on my squad. That's my squad right there. And and anybody, I'm on a lot of people's in that same sense. It's like, I don't feel like it's fair for people, for men, for men to even allow themselves to get hit like that because they're so valuable and they're being, not being told that they're valuable beyond what their access to power is. And we can change that if we get over some shit, you know? I, I, I love what you're saying. I, I appreciate you. And I, I was, gonna you know wrap up this podcast and you just said something <laughs> that i think well i think amy and i are both gonna react to i don't know if you're elijah i don't know if you're aware but we were present when he w- was shot we amy was standing over him in the street um what we were, we were there over his nephew she helped his nephew it was right outside our bar we we happened to we had just gotten in back in town and we we saw the car turn the corner, miss our patio. It rammed into another car um, and no one was getting out. So 
um, a very nice man who's an EMT, was visiting our bar, ran out, and Amy ran out into the street and was one of the first people there. And I want you to know that we were present, and Amy was very much present um, for Elijah, and we felt his spirit. Um, we felt it. I don't know how else to put it. Um, and I didn't know that uh, leading into this, um, but we were we were honored to be there. Um, and I hope we... I know Amy gave a sense of peace to his nephew because the police were there immediately. We didn't understand why the police were there because it was so quick. But then we saw there was, there were gunshots and, um, um, and she really helped, um, him navigate that moment. So Amy. Big. I, I don't want to interrupt you, Amy. I appreciate you both. And I'm having a very emotional response to my friend's passing. <laughs> yeah, of course. I also want to acknowledge how deep it is to be there when people transmutate and move into a different realm. And um, I will say it is comforting to know that there were people uh, pure of heart and open in spirit that were there with him when he left us. Um, and I'm sorry if, if you felt the burden of that. I'm sure you feel that burden all the time, but I feel for you. So, that I, is a um, hero. <laughs> I have this feeling that um, first I was supposed to be there. And um, I don't know, we can talk about it more maybe later because <laughs> I'm also having a very emotional <laughs> response. <laughs> but, um, <clears throat> you know, uh, there was no indication that it was gun violence from my point of view where I was sitting and what I was doing. It was just, I just witnessed a car going 10 miles an hour crash into parked cars outside of my place of business. And as a medical provider and I'm trained in emergency medicine, the first thing I thought was he's unconscious for some reason. So, um, he must have had a seizure or a stroke or a heart attack or something. And so we ran out there and, um, and pulling him out of the car and then seeing his nephew there it was terrifying and um and then seeing the gunshot um wounds and i just remember thinking that uh once the police came with the um gunshot wound emergency kit because i didn't have one on me I was relieved that someone was there who had an ability to help beyond what I could do. But I remember thinking, I, I want this man to have a witness that I want to witness. And I felt responsible for making sure that he was getting the best care he could get. And that if I needed to intervene, I was going to fucking intervene. 
And in that moment, people need a witness. And um, his nephew uh, was being asked a million questions about the person who shot them. And he was, and mm -hmm. I just went over and he asked if he was okay. And I said, yes, honey. And I just made sure they were checking his body <laughs> for, for, you know, any more trauma. And I wanted him, the nephew to know that someone was there seeing him as a person, not just a witness and then seeing if he was okay. And, uh, that's, that's all I really have to say about that right now. If you're not familiar with Elijah Lewis, you can, um, look it up and there's a fund that, that the, we have contributed to and the bars contributed and, and Shana, we're actually working on a mural in the bar on the wall, um, that faced there. And we were already thinking of doing one and then we're going to do this year, not alone and did it and have Elijah bring his name there. And, and so we just feel something changed that day. So it, it changed the entire city that day. That it changed. did. It did. I, Elijah I, is Elijah Lewis is, was a hero. He was a young kid yeah. who inspired many, 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 many members of the African American community in our city to mobilize and work through the pandemic and also uh, build a new way of thinking about being an African-American in Seattle. He was a light and a hope to many people who had gone through generations of disappointment. And he was inspiring and affluent and um, just a really, really sweet and genuine guy to inspire to the folks that were younger. He brought people together, helped us raise a lot of money helped us uh, put together African Town, helped us put together incredible concerts, helped cultivate young artists that are still trying to find their way and always uh, had a message of positivity and endurance and um, really came from the city and he will be missed forever and he'll be a hero. So it's exciting to hear that, that you guys will uh, put up a piece of art and yeah, it's inspired by him. That's exciting. Yeah, we, yeah, his spirit was there, and I, you know, anyone who's been present knows um, that we we felt that, and, and Amy was incredible that day. Um, everybody there, all the first responders were actually, it was it was tremendous. Mm -hmm. Such a terrible situation. Terrible um, loss, right? Yeah, I. Um, it's okay. It doesn't have to be a happy note every time we end. <laughs> I just want to give you a hug. <laughs> I know. I have to get a hug from Puerto Rico. I know. Shana, what, are you, are you, can you come to our death and music this year? It's on the, are you around? Absolutely. It's the, it's the 12th of November. Would you sing right. a song for Elijah? Would <laughs> You know, I did you know I have a song called Elijah? Oh fuck, I didn't. But you man, know. <laughs> this stuff just freaks me out. It's I don't know what you know because I know you know the same people I know, and so I, know. I don't know what you know. I know, but I didn't know. <laughs> but they don't know. You know? I, I, Amy, I'm not kidding. Amy said to me, 
we were working on the lineup and we said, we have to have someone represent Elijah after what happened. And do we know anyone? I was like, I don't know. And I'll start looking into it and I'll, I just, it never materialized. Like, I, you know what I mean? Like, you don't, it's a weird ask. Like, oh, hey, <laughs> you know, death, and, you. Right. death and music is a weird well, ask, period. Because I'm like, <laughs> hey, anyone die in your world? Want to sing a song? You know, it, it, it's not easy. Um, if I'm going to send you the song. Okay. I don't want to put you on the, we get off. I don't no, the spot, no. but you've done the show before and I'm in charge of it and Amy's in charge of it. And so we can just do whatever we want. And I, we would love to have you back and, and mention this and, and just do a song and we'll, and talk, maybe talk about Elijah. That would be, that would be incredible. So November 12th, more theater. It's, wow. er, it's more theater. <laughs> so that's exciting. You know who else is yeah, singing? Yeah, more. Who's, who's singing um, this year? Riz is going to sing. Riz oh Rons. my goodness! Yeah, with Tomo on guitar, Tomo Nakayama on oh guitar. Oh my gosh, Tomo Nakayama! Jimmy James is gonna come and play songs I think he grew he up told with. Me that. Yeah, he told he's gonna me do that. like songs his mom. Right. He grew up with his mom, and like he's gonna play them. And then we have other surprises. I don't want to get into yet, but it's. It would be incredible if you could make it. <laughs> well, I That's the way to end the podcast. All right, we, y'all. We'll, I'll see you guys at the morning. Just, just book Shane Shepard <laughs> to return to Death of Music. We've come full circle. Made my no, day. No, thank you so much, Shana, Shana for you. making the time thank today. Thank you so much. Um, I just have so much gratitude for you. Thank you, Amy. Thank hit you, me Shana. up on my email about Death of Music, too. Do you have my... John and Cakes. I do. And we all have your email, John. We all have our email. It seems like it. A lot of people seem to have my email, but I'm glad you do. I put put four stars on it so you can see it. (laughs) Just just write me and I will tell our wonderful events person. I just booked another person and uh, they'll be psyched. Um, So thank you, Shana. And, and you are such a bright light and it's just been an honor to talk to you today. And I am not surprised at all that we had even more connections here today. Amy. Look at us. I'm going to say our, don't go away. Don't go anywhere, Shana. But we're going to, because I want to mention something off the thing. But um, I want to thank everybody for uh, producing the podcast. Ruinous Media. Patrick, thank you for everything. Um, And everybody um, at that group who helps us out. And Amy, thank you for taking the time in Puerto Rico today. In Puerto Uh, Rico! I'd yeah, be out it's of the dark beach. now. Yeah, I, mean, I had the oh light no, you're right. on me, and I can't figure out. But make enjoy sure, the weather. <laughs> make sure to follow us on Instagram at the Doctor and the DJ. You can watch us on YouTube live, and then we have these up later. And then, um, yeah, go to our Instagram Shana, as well. Where but, can people find you? Yep, that's Sorry to good. talk over. Yep. No, oh, all good. Me. Yeah. You can yes. find me in Seattle for the next two months, or you can follow <laughs> me on. Uh, <laughs> Uh, on Shana Shepherd Music um, on Instagram or Facebook. You can also look at what I'm up to at www.shanashepherdmusic.com. We got a whole bunch of videos and writing and blogging and too much. Well, all the places where I talk too much, that's where I put it. So. Perfect. Uh, <laughs> Thank you very much. We appreciate you, and um, we'll see you all next time. Bye.